Thank you so much for joining The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I am your host, Sharon Feckety. I'm also the author of The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business. I'm so glad that you're here today. This is a space that you're going to hear a lot of stories about recovery, addiction, men and women that have suffered from anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, trauma. We're going to have professionals on here as well. So I hope that it's not just this show that you listen to, but you go back and listen to the many other shows and the many other stories. And please subscribe and pass it on to somebody that you know that might be struggling and feel like they're alone. None of us are alone on this broken road to mental health. And I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sharon Feckety. We are on the broken road to mental health together. And today I'm very happy to have Gentry Jones, who I love your name, A. Gentry. And I am saying it right, right? Yeah. Would there be another way? Has anybody mispronounced your name? Oh, yeah. We've had like Gentry where they do like the soft G instead of the hard G. Um, Gentry or Gentry or Gent... um, Genchi, I don't know. There's amazing what people can do with a name. My last name is Beckety, but literally nobody can say it (laughs) out there in the world. Nobody, but it's okay. You just get used to it. So I love Mm -hmm. a different kind of name. Um, So Gentry drove uh, into her garage broken. Let's just start it off real nice and raw. Um, Defeated and convinced there was no way to stop the train wreck she had become. So That line in the beginning of the bio that was sent to me is really, I feel like all I need as an intro into the conversation that we're going to have today. This is uh, what I like to call a no fluff, no bullshit zone. And I really just wanna have um, a conversation where we could help somebody else not feel so alone on this uh, broken road. So Gentry, would you um, share with the audience what that one line that I just read means? So I had been drinking off and on for years. I put myself in rehab at 22, really confident that like once I just went to rehab, took a break, I'd be okay. Um, And then just had like times in between the time I actually quit where I'd like quit for a little bit, Um, but I never fully surrendered and never fully felt like I'm going to die from this until that last year. Like it was like either I'm going to die from alcohol or I'm going to have to surrender. And the, that day wasn't the worst day that I had drinking. There was so many worse days. There was, I've done so much worse things than what happened on that day. But that day when I drove into my garage, there was just this feeling that there was no way I could stop it. Like there was just, I had totally lost hope that I had any control over stopping the train wreck I was and the mom I was becoming. And I was like, my kids are just going to have to watch this train wreck. Like I'm preparing how I'm going to prepare them to be children of an alcoholic. Like I'm thinking, what kind of therapy are they going to need? Like, it wasn't a thought of like, how am I going to get sober? It was like, how am I going to help them deal with me being like this? And it was, then it was this switch to this thought of like, or would they be better just not having to see the train wreck at all? Like, would it be better if I ran away or if I wasn't here or if I shut the garage door and just let the car run and just fell asleep in my drunkenness right now. And I think that moment of, of not planning a suicide, but just believing that my kids were completely better without me or that they were going to have to deal with watching me be, or they're going to have to be children of an alcoholic. Um, 
that was when I finally kind of was like, or maybe I could take the, the way out and not drink anymore. <laughs> like, like it was like, that finally became like a plausible option, which is like the whole time that's what the option was. But the whole time I felt like there was like still this hope that I could outsmart it or hope that I could um, figure out a way to, to manage it. Um, just this false hope that I would be able to figure it out. And that complete loss in hope on both sides, hope that I would figure it out and hope that I would be able to stop it is what made me finally submit to recovery. So you said something that um, really resonates with me. And I think a lot of people that have been in similar situations, this thought that, um, that our loved ones would be better off without us. You know, that's a pretty, you know, I've said that myself. That's how I felt when um, I was planning my own suicide when I was 19. And then again at 21, when I was struggling with having to stop drinking and having to stop using. And then there was this progression. And I really felt like this huge burden, you know, like just if I was just take me out of the equation, um, I think everybody would be much better. And there's this, you know, there's this misnomer out in the world where people are not educated about this being, you know, a disease or a very difficult thing to actually do to stop um, drinking or drugging or feeling depressed. And we, we kind of think that just everybody in general, and I'll speak from personal experience only, that they would be better off uh, without us. It's so far from the truth, but it really speaks to that notion of this being a selfish kind of disease or a selfish, like, why don't, you know, Gentry, why don't, like, look, you got four kids. Why don't you just stop drinking? Like, you, mm -hmm. you're beautiful. You, you, you have so much going for you, Gentry. Why don't you just stop, right? Mm -hmm. And then- you know, you, you realize just going into the garage, just like you said, there's, I'm sure there were many times that were a lot worse. My last drink was nothing in comparison to all of the times that I could have died. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I love that you said it very casually is what kind of I zoned in on, because I think that that is a, a very important um, point that you bring up and you do, you have four beautiful children that I'm sure are super grateful that you are here and you just dropped them off at school. <laughs> you know, rushing your whole life is about that. So, so let's talk then about like what it was like when you did finally put it down and start to change your life. I'm sure it did not happen overnight. No, it did not happen overnight in that one day at a time, as much as like, sometimes I feel like that's so corny and cheesy, the one day at a time, but it really, it really is. And there's moments, I mean, like even now and not, not, not dealing with alcohol, but just frustrated with finances or frustrated with co-parenting relationships or, or frustrated with dating, whatever it is, like one day at a time, like this isn't going to break me. And so just coming out the other side of recovery has given me a strength to handle so many other things in my life. But the beginning, it was just everybody kind of on eggshells waiting for me to kind of crash again, because I would be able to take breaks. And you have to really, when in submitting to that recovery, you have to submit also to the fact that people aren't going to trust you. Like it's going to take me a process right. and you're not going to all of a sudden know how to handle every situation. You're not going to be what, how like, it, it's just going to be a process. Like, you know what, all I have, to, I, I kind of say it like, as like having blinders on, 
Like you have to have your blinders on focused on where you're going because people are going to doubt you. There's going to be triggers. Like I had to stop driving a certain way home because I always stopped at the same gas station. And it was like, okay, blinders on. I don't even want to see it. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see people doubting me. I know I need to get that to this next step. And, um, I have to accept that like right now, like the, the lack of trust is going to be thrown at me. Like there's just people that aren't going to trust me. And, um, it just, it takes time to earn that back. Like I was a year sober and my son who doesn't even remember me drinking now, he's almost nine. So he was five then at the time. Right. So he's about five at the time. And I had ran back into the house to get something. And he was like, you're just running back in to finish your beer. And I was like sober at this time, like almost a year sober. And he today doesn't remember me drinking, but that running back into the house was a trigger for him and drunk gentry and like unhealed gentry would have felt devastated by that. Like, I can't, I'm like, I'm such a bad mom. I'm doing all these horrible things. Like, and I would have sat there and beat myself up and I'm like, when, as I grew in my sobriety, I have a lot more confidence in like, okay, that was a situation that happened. And now it's a lesson I can, like, I can learn from, or it's not, it's not, not everything bad that happens is an opportunity for me to just beat myself into the ground with guilt and shame. Right. So let's go back gentry to, um, the gentry before the four children came around. (laughs) Um, can you share a little bit, because, you know, I, I got sober at 21. So literally my husband, my stepson, who's 18, none of nobody in the state of Florida that I am friends with has seen me drunk because I'm from New York. So they've never seen the Sharon that was the drug addict that was in two rehabs and the halfway house and all of that. I grew up in a, you know, Long Island, New York. I have private school education. And I think that sometimes almost part of the responsibility of having these conversations is really to just to break that that cycle of people thinking that you have to be a certain person or come from a certain place to suffer mm-hmm. from addiction or alcoholism or whatever it might be. So can you share a little bit with the audience? Because um, I know today people looking at you, listening to you are like, this girl drank a lot? No, come on. <laughs> she came from where? What, what happened? So let's tell the audience a little bit about who Gentry was before you started caring for all those wonderful little boy humans that you have. Yeah. So I, um, I was an all American kid, like all, like four, three sport athletes, um, worked during the summers was ASB, um, honor, honorable, like just a really good student, but I started drinking and, and smoking weed in high school. Like that's just kind of like as part of what you do. And then I just kept getting worse and worse and worse of like the binging and the checking out and, um, all of that stuff. But my parents are teachers, well-respected teachers. My dad's a basketball coach. Like I was so active in school. And I think that helped me get too out of control in high school, because when you have a community, people expected certain things from me. So it was like, I was very, I, I, having the outside, um, expectations, I kind of kept up that image. But then when I went to college, that's when I didn't have the outside expectations. I didn't have the ASB. I didn't have the after school practices. And when in college, you go to school like half day. So it's like, did you, I just, leave, did you leave your community and go somewhere else? I would let, I, I went about an hour from where I live, um, which was just enough, like right. just enough to get out of control. Right. Um, got alcohol poisoning the first quarter. 
um, started doing cocaine because it would help me drink longer. And then just from 18 to 21, just had several blacked out session like times. Um, was coke was in the middle of drug deals was smoking weed was just all of the things while still trying to go to college and try to like keep up that image um at 21 I actually did put myself into rehab so same age as, as you when you got sober but I got pregnant shortly after that and moved back home and I had my alcoholic brain was like okay you've been sober for a year you have a son now like you're going to be more responsible yes. now that you're a parent and you're, you've got all of that out of your system. Mm -hmm. And I started drinking again and it just continued to be a battle of, of trying to control it. Mm. Yeah. So, all right, well then take us to where, you know, you are now. I mean, so you, you got married or you didn't get married. You had four children. You were in a relationship. Tell us about that. So I, um, I got pregnant and moved home to my hometown and then reunited with my high school sweetheart. Oh. And <laughs> so that, that was, it was like the perfect little love story. Um, but then we sing reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's like, the, he is the sweetest man ever. Um, really, really sweet, but we, we also had a lot of triggers and I mean, we were drinking and stuff together. So it just kind of continued to co-sign my bullshit in that department. So, um, we get married though. We have, um, another son and then we got pregnant with twins in 2016. Um, and then after I had the twins, the year of the twins is the first year of the twins life was, a, was my worst year. And that's where I had completely lost hope. And when I got sober, it just, it just disconnected us. I just really needed to have distance from him and not necessarily that it was his fault too. And I feel like that's important to understand is that he was not meaning to be my trigger. He just was. And so in me trying to get sober and me needing that distance, it just, that it just didn't work with us anymore. Sure. And so we divorced. Um, but now we have a great co-parenting relationship. Um, he has an amazing girlfriend that we get, I get along with really well, which is really nice. And, um, yeah, so I just now have basically turned my life into a sober living, um, walking billboard, I guess. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast to tell you a little bit about our amazing sponsor, Thai Technology. Now we could not do this show, The Broken Road to Mental Health and Life in a Business without sponsors like Thai Technology. They really do provide exceptional customer service. It's a televoip company, right? They provide wonderful phone systems. They integrate with Zoom, but there's so much more than that. You know, there's hardly any companies anymore where you could call and actually get a human being, order a service and not have to have like an order number and get put into a system and have to wait weeks and weeks for somebody to just call you back. So on the broken road to mental health and life and a business, we're trying to make it easier for you to run your business. So I would highly recommend reaching out to Thai Technology. They are the very best and they work with systems from Tampa Bay to New York and beyond. If you mention this podcast, you will get the first three months for free. Thanks Thai Technology. Well, um, I didn't mention that Gentry has this wonderful following and this wonderful platform on Instagram. Um, I was watching this morning and felt very entertained 
and a very and it was very relatable. And like I've shared this with many people that I've interviewed on the show with a, a few of the the people that you know that are in this wonderful community online. You know that I, this wasn't an option for me. Um, and who knows today if if I had gotten sober during this time period where social media was so influential and such a big part of our lives that I wouldn't have maybe just gotten into this community and you know started talking about. I don't know, just sober living. Um, I am still uh, very active in 12-step recovery. It saved my life and I've just continued on that path. But I've I've always been so, like I'm, I'm excited about all of these other ways of navigating through sobriety, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. There's a lot of people, and I've learned so much just from doing the show. There's a lot of people that don't, that have like religious trauma that get triggered by hearing the word God that's in uh, the 12-step program. Um, Jenna and I spoke at length about this as well. And, and I think that it's, it's really, really sweet that sweet maybe isn't the word. Community is everything. Community Mm -hmm. is everything when it comes to recovery for me. So I would assume that that's been a big part. So let's talk about um, your journey through recovery and how you decided to go full on with this platform and and build a community and become what you are today, um, being dedicated to inspire and entertain all of us on your platform. Yes. So, so I, when I got pregnant with my youngest son, so I always like said I was going to do acting and drama and I love video um, like creations and did a lot of that in high school. But then when I got pregnant with my first son, I was a single mom and I was like, okay, what do I need to do to provide for him? And my um, grandpa had recommended doing accounting and I liked math. I liked accounting. I was good at math. So I was like, okay, so I did the, the accounting. I got my CPA license. I was a controller at a fruit packing warehouse and I was like dying. Like I hated sitting at a desk all day. I hated it so much. And in the beginning of my- It's wild that you even said that you went, you're a CPA. Like- <laughs> It's so opposite from who you are and what we see today. That's amazing. Oh my God. I'm glad you got out. <laughs> yeah, CPA. And I, I mean, I still have my license. So I, I worked part-time during tax season. But um, yeah, so in the beginning of my sobriety, I started blogging. And I was like, this is what I love. I love the creativity. I love getting to do that. And then about 60 days sober, I took my blog and posted links to it on my Instagram and shared about being sober. I shared about what the blog was about. And then I got a lot of really good feedback on my Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should share more about this. Maybe like I have a comfortability in being vulnerable that I used to think as like attention seeking or like I would let like the negative, like that negative self-talk be like, you just want attention. You like just are, you're too much, you're too loud, you're too whatever. But really it's a, it's a gift that I, I'm comfortable being being out there. So I'm like, I need to share this. Like, this is what's feeding my soul. And the more I did it, the more feedback I got and the bigger my social media started to grow. And then connecting with people like Jenna and Jill and um, Rob Eastman and all of these people, that's my community. And like you're saying, like AA is amazing because it builds community, but I love, I have that same community on Instagram where I can DM them anytime. I have all their phone numbers at this point. So like, I just have that quick, the access to people that get me where when I live in a small town with 3000 people, I, I wouldn't have that same access if I didn't have social media. Yeah. So I just kept building and building and building. And then um, it just, it just kind of kept evolving into something more. And I, 
told my parents I was quitting my controller job and that I was going to be a social media influencer. And they're like, oh, wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did that go? Um, well, I think that in sobriety, like I said, I just have a lot more confidence in my ability to figure things out. And so it was like, if I fail, as long as I'm sober, I'll always figure it out. Like if I lose my house, if I do whatever, I will always figure it out because I have sobriety. And mm-hmm. so I had, I really leaned into that faith that I'll figure it out. And it's just been like, things have turned and twisted since I've started, but there's just been opportunity after opportunity. And I get, I got my life and recovery coaching certificate over the last year so that I can work with people in recovery, um, working on building a program that everyone can have access to in recovery or or being sober curious. Mm -hmm. So it's just been really fun. And I feel like I get to have that creativity. I get to have that connection. I get to have that freedom in my schedule that I didn't have with my accounting and it's just like that's what feeds my soul and I think in sobriety you learn to just lean into more things like that like what feeds your soul um and having confidence and just being who you are yeah um I love that I love that so much you know there are so many uh people that I've heard this story from about going through the worst kind of adversity and then being able to do things that nobody could have ever imagined that they would be able to accomplish. And um, I remember when I left uh, New York and I moved here alone to Tampa Bay, Florida, because I just wanted to live here, you know? And I thought, like, I got sober. I could literally do anything. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's not anything that I couldn't do because when you, when you know that you've been in such a dark place and you've um, built and, and grown out of it, there's, um, there's just it's limitless. Mm-hmm. It's limitless. And you gain that through recovery. You gain mm-hmm. that through being around other people that are supportive too, right? So one of the things I really loved watching um, on your Instagram platform was your relationship with your, is, it, is he your sober coach? Yeah. So Rob Eastman, I actually, I connected with him after being sober. Mm-hmm. And he does sober coaching. So I had connected with him to learn more about sober coaching, but I like bought a plane ticket. Say, like yeah, you're saying, like just doing things. I, I was like, I just want to come down and like job shadow you. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I just quit my job. I'm not making any money. And he's like, you can stay at our house. Like then my mom's like, you're going to go stay at some random dude's house. I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. Like fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. He's sober. But, yeah, he's sober. It's fine. They're not, um, <laughs> But yeah, like I connected with him and then, um, his girlfriend's also sober and we connected really well, but he, um, yeah, it was through the sober community. I met him through Instagram and like, I I mean, you can't, you you have to do your due diligence. You shouldn't just like meet people online and and go down there. But I mean, he has a platform. He has um, a lot of stuff, but just flew down there. I learned so much from him. The first trip I've been down there two more times and we just have fun together and he inspires me whenever I'm like working on business ideas about recovery he's like who I like double check with on stuff and yeah like it's just been a great mentorship and friendship um and the people I've met down there yeah so that's you know community again just strikes Mm -hmm. again and I think that it's so important to um surround yourself with people that believe in you that's what I got. From, so funny because I just, I only watched one little video. I think you all were working out, I think. And I was like, 
that's the support that everybody needs. Like somebody that's going to lift you up, bring you with them, <laughs> show you the way, and then let you soar, you know? So that's, that's really nice. So what does life look like today, Gentry? What can we share with the audience that, um, that you have learned and, 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 and you could share with others to, to show that you really can turn your life around and get sober and stay sober and, and thrive? Oh, man, that there's so many different things. <laughs> um, so li life today is just a life of um, just confidence in who I am and the, my purpose and what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you are struggling to get sober, or if you're thinking about getting sober or sober curious, the biggest thing is to have for me, it was having the faith that someday you will have the faith that someday you will have the faith. Cause I, well, when people say like, have faith that it's going to get better. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know. I didn't know at that moment, if it was going to get better, I didn't have faith. But then I was like, but I have faith that someday I'll feel that faith <laughs> and then that I'll get, it will get better. So like really taking it back as far as you need to just be like, I just am going to trust that not drinking will get better. And, and just like, just, and, and think of it as like an experiment. Like, it's just, I'm just going to try not drinking. It doesn't have to be, I'm an alcoholic. It doesn't have to be a label. It doesn't have to be that I have a problem. It doesn't have to be that I'm ruining my life. I'm just going to trust trying to take a break from drinking and then just see how you feel. And, um, it's just given me, it's given me a rebirth of my life and who I know I was meant to be. And I'm like forever grateful for, and like by the grace of God that I was able to stop because there's so many people that are, that can't. And, um, I just, it's, it's worth every uncomfortable moment that there is at the beginning. Yeah. That's a great word. Rebirth. It is, it is a true rebirth and, and such a wonderful way to gauge your own life, to know that you once lived uh, in such struggle and now you've you know, seeing the benefits of, of just putting one foot in front of the other. So before I let you go, I am curious, uh, I'm sober curious about, <laughs> I have my own mental health workout and this is, you know, not just about sobriety and not drinking, but I think they go hand in hand um, when it comes to our mental health, especially through the, the shit show of a world that we're living in right now. What does your mental health workout look like? What do you do for self-care? So mental health, I, I have to work out, um, fairly regularly. That's, it's not an obsessive way, but it's just something that I make sure that I fit into my life even, and it doesn't matter how busy I am. I try to make sure I'm working out three to four times a week. Um, and then trying new things like Robbie Smith, my mentor, when we were down there, he took me to this, um, like meditation breathing technique class. And then we did ice baths where we practiced the breathing technique in the ice bath. So just having that curiosity to like try new things is really good for my mental health. Like, even if I never do it again, just, just trying new things and having that curiosity to continue to grow. Um, if I stay in one place and I stop learning, I, I tend to get kind of that like stir crazy, depressed anxiety feeling. So, um, letting myself try new things, working out and, my kids give me a lot of, um, motivation in to continue to like have that joy. So just finding joy, gratitude practice. Sorry. One more thing. Gratitude practice and journaling 
journaling. Like I was going through a really hard breakup a couple months ago and I started journaling and I, this morning I got up and journaled. That's what I do first thing in the morning, sit on my porch, just get my thoughts out. And I always end up finding like if talking negative or talking like I'm poor me, I always find myself switching it to like, you can do this. You can overcome this. you got this. So really being like intentional with your journaling about like, you can, you can dump your thoughts, but, um, trying to switch it to a positive light at the end is, is, has been really helpful for me too. I think that's it. I know. I love it because I did see you on the porch a lot on, (laughs) on your Instagram feed. And I really, I love knowing that it is intentional because I think that, you know, I was, I work, I, you know, everything, of course, as an recovering alcoholic, whatever the heck I am, I take a lot of, I've taken a lot of things to extreme in my life. So I have to start my day with strength training. And then I go do like a walk run and I meditate before that. And, um, but I get the greatest ideas and, and no matter what, because I had all this negative self-talk even today before I went, don't go, you don't need to, like you already worked out. You don't need to do this walk in the park but great ideas and great um, just moving your muscle, right? And changing the thought is so imperative for us as we continue on through recovery. You know, it's, it's a practice. It's not something that, you know, poof, we don't drink, we don't drug anymore and we're feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> it might be nice for others, but it certainly hasn't happened that way to me. <laughs> I look at other people, I'm like, do you wake up like that? Like, are you just like happy? Because <laughs> it's a hell of a lot of work for me. So uh, Gentry, I really am so appreciative. I'm so grateful that there are women out there like you that are doing this. We need more resources. Um, knowing that you are uh, a coach and can help others is, is huge. So all of the information of how to get in contact with Gentry and follow her on Instagram and, and everywhere else you can read the blogs and sit on the porch with her and journal virtually if you can. Yeah. I do appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. So don't forget, if you mention that you've seen the show or listened to it on the podcast, mention Thai Technology and you will get three months for free. They're the best. <laughs>